Welcome to Entrepreneur Struggle, where each week we're normally talking to entrepreneurs and freelancers about their particular challenges and struggles as they create and scale up their business. I'm Chris Colbert, the CEO and founder of DCP Entertainment, as well as Podstream Studios Times Square. And I said normally we're talking to different entrepreneurs and freelancers, and actually normally we're doing these conversations live on Facebook Live, on YouTube Live, on Twitter, and eventually we're going to you know, get up on LinkedIn. But this is a little bit different this week. We're not live and we're not interviewing an entrepreneur or a freelancer. This is more story time. As I tell you a little bit about kind of the things that led me to creating these companies, the backstory behind the creation of DCP Entertainment and Podstream Studios Times Square. So throughout this series, I'm going to drop in sometimes and do one of these as I tell you some of the stories that led me to the creation of these companies. So this particular story brings me back to my years at Sirius XM Radio, where I worked for 11 years. I was an intern at one point, worked my way all the way up to the director of Urban Talk and Comedy, which is the PC way of saying that I ran Black and Latinx talk programming for Sirius XM Radio. So, you know, I got to see the company from many different levels, and I had many different experiences throughout those 11 years, which also spanned the recession, uh, the merger between Sirius and XM, and just so many other different things. So, you know, there's not just one thing that led me to creating DCP Entertainment, but there were just lots of different things that made me think more critically about how I wanted to operate in the space and how I wanted to create equity in this space of media in general. Um, but more specifically in the audio space. So here's a little story about how I once got fake fired. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, right? Like, how do you get fake fired? Um, essentially, how do you get fired and you're not actually fired? That's kind of what happened in this situation. So let me take you back. Um, so at this point in my career, I was, I think maybe I was, my title was producer, Titles when I was at Sirius were kind of fluid, and I, I had a bunch of different promotions. So when I say fluid, it's partially because I just can't remember when they happened, and uh, titles didn't always reflect what you did. Because a lot of times, and it's not just with Sirius, but just with many companies, you get the title that you're already performing with. So what I mean by that is, like, once you do the job of a producer, you might be a production coordinator, but you eventually get the title of producer by showing that you're a producer. Um, and so I can't remember at this point, what my exact title was, but a lot of the duties I was doing was very similar to a, a, you know, a program director or an executive producer for a channel. So essentially, the work I was doing was helping lead the channel direction. I wasn't just working on particular shows. I was working on the overall strategy for the, the channel I was working for. And this particular channel and the channel that I was first really hired to come on to work with and actually to help create was the Foxhole. The music and comedy channel headed up by the Oscar and Grammy award-winning Jamie Foxx. I literally was hired to help create this station. You know, I honestly, even before that, I helped to even conceptualize what the station could be before he even came to SiriusXM and said, I want to do this station. I created a demo for what this channel would be with the exception of music. He's just, you know, Jamie's <laughs> very brilliant and was smart in understanding that we need to have both for this kind of channel. But anyway, Back to the story. Um, I had incredible bosses at SiriusXM. Rory Belfi and John McDermott, shout out. Like, they maybe not have been the best bosses for other people who may have worked there, but for me, they were the perfect bosses. They allowed me to work with this anonymity of 
tell me what I need to do, tell me my guidelines, and also tell me my parameters, my, my boundaries, and just let me work. Don't micromanage me. Don't look over my shoulder. And that's the kind of bosses that I needed, and that's the kind of bosses that they were, and it allowed me to better understand how I want to be a boss as well. Um, but unfortunately, because of the way that we had our situation set up with the foxhole, the channel was actually headed up by somebody that was appointed by somebody in uh, Jamie's management camp. And Jamie Fox himself, you know, obviously he's an incredible talent, but his team also is amazing. I love his friends, a lot of his management team, but the person that his team decided to put in charge of the channel, eh, you know, it just probably wasn't the right move. Um, and unfortunately, the person who was running the channel uh, from a more executive level, whereas I was kind of running it more from a production level, I was really running the day to day. But this person was heading up more of the strategies of what we're going to do and the people we're going to sign and the budgets and all that. So they were legitimately the program director of the channel, whereas I was kind of more of this executive producer, kind of as their number two to help to lead to take what they their direction is and to hopefully make it more palatable for our audience and make it better. Um, and that, you know, put it into action. I don't want to say that I always had to make it more palatable, but, you know, to put it into action. And so this guy, this person who was running the channel, uh, unfortunately, we never really saw eye to eye. They first started in the New York area, even though Jamie and his team were out in L.A. This person was based in New York, just as I was. And Within the first, I'd say like first four months, maybe six months at most, they decided to move to L.A. And so now I was the lone you know, runner of the channel in New York. And I was slowly able to amass a, a little team, people who could help me run the different uh, shows that we were doing. Uh, that's really basically all the kind of staff I could bring on. Eventually, I would be able to bring on more staff to help me run the day to day. But Essentially, at this point, I was the day-to-day, and I had a few people help me with individual shows that happened. And then the person in New York, this guy, was really heading up, all right, working with the talent and uh, working with the sales teams and figuring out budgets. So they really were the program director and leading up our strategies. And part of that also was what kind of remote broadcasts we were doing. And so for a good amount of time, we were doing remote broadcasts once every couple months, if not once every month, where we were going around the country and doing live broadcasts. And one of these places that we were going was actually the Super Bowl. And I can't remember exactly what year it was. Um, you know, it, I just remember it being one of those big Super Bowls. I think this one was maybe in Dallas. Uh, so if you want to look it up, you, know, you can figure out which uh, Super Bowls happened in Dallas. But we were having a Super Bowl party in Dallas. It wasn't, you know, at the actual Super Bowl itself. It was one of these hotels that has like a pool and a big event space kind of situation. And we're doing this live broadcast in front of a huge amount of people. And the idea when it comes to these remote broadcasts is you not only want to service the people that are there in your audience. You want to make them feel special, make them feel part of the broadcast. But you also want the people listening to feel like they are there with you and that they are also part of this situation. So it's like you really are kind of serving two masters. You're serving two audiences that want to feel like they are part of everything that's going on. So before we actually went into this uh, recording, we had a phone call, you know, phone conference between myself, my program director, uh, this guy that we're, you know, I was just talking about, and also my SiriusXM bosses. So we're all in this phone call together, and it gets brought up by this guy who's out in L.A., the person running the channel, that 
hey, we want to do some giveaways for the people there. You know, I think they'll really love it. We're going to give away, you know, just some things. And what we told them is, that, well, I say we, but what my bosses, my, you know, direct bosses at SiriusXM told them is that that's great. We should definitely do that. But because of the way that rules work in Texas and also in the digital space, we can't do a giveaway on the air uh, because that would violate some regulations that could eventually get us sued. And we just want to keep everybody safe. So if you do a giveaway, make sure that you're doing the giveaway when we're in a commercial break or we're playing a song. Don't do that over the air. This guy who in this just for the, you know, make things easier as we go along, where I'm just going to say this guy, if I'm talking about the person running the channel out in L.A. So this guy, he says, yeah, get it. Totally understand. We'll make sure we don't give away anything over the air. We'll make sure we're on a break. So, you know, we have this great plan going into the broadcast, and the way things work when you're doing a remote broadcast is that, you know, I'm back in New York as the producer helping to run the show, and then we have this board operator who is going to decide, well, not decide, they're going to listen to me and listen to, you know, the direction I give of when to bring up a caller or when to go to music, when to go to commercial, and then you have this guy in uh, who's remote broadcasting, he's letting me know on a phone call, you know, we have like these headsets, we're on this direct kind of communication. He's letting me know, we have this person coming up, let's play their music. Or, hey, um, this uh, interview's probably wrapping up, we're going to go to commercial soon. Um, you know, they're just giving me direction down the line, down this headset of what is going to happen. So that way I can let my board operator know what we need to do to make sure this sounds good to our audience. So things are going well. I'd say we're probably about an hour or two hours into the broadcast. And the way things work back in the foxhole days, you never know when things are going to end. Things could be as short as literally 30, 45 minutes, and it's gone as long as like five hours. You just never know how long things are going to go. But that also was the beauty of what the foxhole was. Like, it's just an experience. It, it's it's kind of planned, but it's not planned at all. Um, and so anyway, like that is what makes the show beautiful and also was make the show hard as a producer because you don't know what to expect and you don't know how long you're going to be there. But, you know, things are going very smoothly. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the broadcast, they start giving away something on the air. You know, they're live in front of their audience and like, hey, uh, you know, let us know, you know, raise your hand or do this or do that if you want to win this chair. And I'm like, oh, God, we already talked about this. This you know, I, I don't want to get fired. I don't want us to get sued. Um, all right. Um, and I let it go for about eight more seconds because I'm thinking, okay, maybe this producer, this guy is going to tell me down the line, hey, go to commercial or um, they're going to do something to make sure that we stay in the parameters of what we were told that we were allowed to do. And I didn't get anything. And the reason I was waiting eight seconds is that in radio, you have this thing called the dump button. You have this opportunity that, and you, Every dump button has its its length that you're allowed to give it, but we had given our dump button eight seconds. And the dump button is whatever is the past, as I said, eight seconds for us, whatever the past eight seconds were, if you hit this dump button, you can cut out that entire eight seconds. And it doesn't always sound great on the air because you're you're cutting out a chunk of audio and then it incrementally slows down the audio to then catch up to the current moment. So it slows down the audio and then speeds it up to kind of get you to where you are. I know it sounds kind of crazy, but 
you know, I'm not an IT person, so I'm probably getting, doing a horrible job explaining it. But just remember that we're cutting something out and then you're filling it with live audio somehow. So it doesn't necessarily sound great, but it does allow you to get rid of moments that you could possibly be sued for or can get you into some kind of trouble. So I hit this button where I tell my board operator to hit this button. And as soon as we hit the button, I say, go to commercial because I don't know how long this thing is going to last. And, you know, there, I can, even though we, we hit the dump button, we go to commercial, I'm still able to hear on my headset what's happening live on the scene at that remote location. So I'm still hearing that they're giving away, you know, something on the air. And so I tell my board operator, oh, go to music now. You know, we're just going to play music until I know that everything's in the clear and we can jump back into the broadcast. During this whole time, like I'm also trying to talk to the guy on the other line, the guy running the channel. Hey, what's going on? Like, what should we be doing? I had to go to commercial. You guys are giving something away on the air and I'm not getting a response. And then as the you know music is still playing on our side and as I'm hearing that the giveaway is still happening on the other end in that remote location, I get a phone call on a different phone line. So I'm on my headset with who I think is the producer, the guy, um, and then I pick up this phone call, and it's a number I don't know, but I pick it up, and it's the guy. It's the producer who I should have been on the headset with. He's now calling me on another phone. It's like, uh, Chris, uh, wh what just happened? Well, uh, I, I was trying to tell you what happened on the headset, but um, yeah, what happened is we started to do a giveaway on the air, and so I took us off the air to make sure that we didn't end up in trouble. So back to him, he's like, well, well, that's, it sounded awful. I, you know, Jamie's manager heard that and, and he's pissed. So, well, I don't know what to tell you. Like I, I get it. It probably didn't sound great. Um, but right now we're playing music. Um, we played our commercial break, so we got that out of the way. So that's good. Um, but you know, I, right now I'm just gonna keep playing music until you're ready to come back with, you know, the, the rest of the show content. We come back with an interview. Well, you know, Jamie's manager heard that, and, and he wants you gone. I said, what? Jamie, hold up, what? J Jamie's manager wants me gone because I, I cut out and went to commercial and played some music? Yeah, he wants you gone because that sounded awful in the air. Like, no, he wants you out of here immediately. I, uh, I, I was speechless. I, I was at least speechless for a second. I... What was going through my mind was, well, I thought I did what I was supposed to do. I kept the safe. And also now you're telling me that I'm essentially fired. Like I'm, I'm out of here. I'm fired because I made a decision that kept us safe. Well, also at the same time, this broadcast still has to keep going. And I'm not going to just leave my team member by themselves. So my response was, okay, well, again, we're going to call him guy, you know, this guy. Well, guy, um... I understand probably didn't sound good. Um, and unfortunately, I'm not going to leave. Um, I'm going to see the rest of this broadcast through. And then at the end, you know, once we're done everything and we load the replays, then I'm gone. I'll, I'll be done after that. But I'm not going to leave my team. You know, I'm not going to leave this person by themselves. Well, he just wants you gone and he hangs up on me. So, as I said, I continued the broadcast and I... Um, I can't even remember if I told the board operator uh, what had happened. I, I probably did. I think I may have told them what had happened. And I was like, hey, I'm still here with you. 
Um, but I'm going to see you through the rest of the broadcast. And then after that, I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, right now I'm here with you. Let's let's finish this thing up. So I want to say it's like probably five minutes later. And one of the things I didn't tell you before and, and you know, give some context to all this is that on the L.A. side, there were other producers that this guy was working with uh, that were helping to, you know, run the day to day operations out there. Uh, and so one of those producers who was helping run the day-to-day was not able to make it out for that remote location uh, shoot. And so they actually called in, you know, they were listening on the radio and then they called me on the side to say, Hey, I just wanted to check in, see how everything's doing. So it was actually only about five minutes later um, after I gotten that phone call from the guy about, Hey, you know, Jamie's manager wants you fired. I get this phone call and we'll call this person, Nate. Well, we're going to use my little brother's last name just for anonymity purposes. So Nate calls me, not my brother, this other producer in L.A. Uh, Nate calls me. He's not on location, and but he's been listening to the radio, and, and he calls me, and it sounds like he's only heard the good stuff because he's, hey, man, it's sounding great out there. How's everything going? And so, I'm, oh, you know, this, we had this person on. We had that person on. Um, and by the way, after the show, I'm getting fired. He said, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? You're getting fired. It's like, no, well, you know, we had to go to break because there was a giveaway. And uh, unfortunately, it didn't sound good. And, and Jamie's manager wants me fired. I, I, you know, this word was passed to the guy. And the guy told me that, you know, I'm getting fired because I didn't hold up the, the broadcast the way it should have. So this person who called me, the producer, was like, what the? No, no, fuck that. No, they, they, no, they can't fire you. He, he's like, I'll call you right back. He hangs up on me and then calls, I believe, calls Jamie's manager. And uh, I get a call back again, maybe five minutes later. All this is happening in just a short amount of time. I get a call back five minutes later uh, from this producer. And he goes, so I talked to Jamie's manager. He has no idea what you're talking about. Uh, he did not fire you. Uh, and he doesn't have a problem with the broadcast. Oh, really? So at this point, I'm, I'm confused. I'm also kind of intrigued of like, what the heck is going on? But also at this point, like, if you've ever listened to a Foxhole broadcast, a Jamie Foxhole broadcast, there's so much going on. I can't be sucked into like, you know, these what if scenarios and, you know, just things on the side. Like I have to be cognizant of everything that's going on so I can pick a new song or understand if I'm going to commercial. Like, so I just basically said at that point, all right, well, thank you. Um, Well, yeah, everything's still good over here. Um, And we hung up and I finished the broadcast, wrapped everything up. And um, I think I even uh, called or or texted my Sirius XM boss to let him know what's going on. And, uh, it's, you know, these broadcasts always happen on a Friday night, too. So that was the other thing. So it wasn't even like there was a lot of people in the building. Wasn't anybody I can go and grab. My bosses also, you know, they work a lot of hard hours. So, you know, they're probably checked out. Or I know at this point, you know, I wasn't getting any messages back from them. So, you know, I, I ended the broadcast. I decided that what I was going to do is just handle this as a professional. And what a professional would do is see out the broadcast that they are on. And at the end of it, Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, but that's out of my control. I'm going to only control what I can control, and that is this broadcast. I'm going to make sure that the company that I work for does not get sued and that Jamie Foxx also doesn't end up in any trouble or his team doesn't end up in any trouble. And 
to shorten the, the this long story, uh, I ended up not getting fired because, as this producer had told me, Shannon's manager had no idea about any of the stuff that I was told. He did not tell the guy that I should be fired. He did not tell the guy that it sounded awful and this is a problem. We need to fix this. What this really was is that the guy who was running the channel from L.A. wanted me gone. He saw me as a threat because he thought I was trying to take his job, which unfortunately was not true. Uh, you know, I only wanted to help to support this channel that was fucking amazing. Um, but he saw me as a threat and he needed to knock me off. And his way of knocking me off because he didn't have the physical power to fire me because I was hired by my bosses at SiriusXM was to be able to showcase to them that I am not going to handle business appropriately. I am not professional. I'm going to walk out in the middle of a broadcast. So he wanted me to walk out in the middle of that broadcast so that he could then go back to my bosses and say, well, you know, he didn't see this thing through. He was probably going to admit where he told me to leave. And the reason I know this is because after realizing that this person wanted me gone from the channel and also understanding that, well, I can't really operate with this person anymore, with this guy. There's no way for us to operate in any kind of communal kind of space, any kind of collaborative space. I just decided to leave the channel and my bosses were nice enough to put me on some other comedy channels. I was able to run a blue collar radio network and start a George Carlin network. So I was still able to work in comedy, but I had to leave the Foxhole, the channel that I love so much and that I literally helped create. Um, and during that tenure where I had left, this guy tried it again with one of the people that was my producer on the New York side. When I left, that person was now running that Jamie Foxx show. And they were running some of the other shows. And in the middle of one of those shows with this other producer that now took over for me, he tried the same tactic with them. He said to them, well, just leave. And the person said, well, no, no, I'm good. I can do the rest of the broadcast. And the person and the guy said, no, just go. It's okay. Just go. So that person left that night. The next day, this guy hit up our bosses and said, Look at this person. Look at this producer. They left in the middle of a broadcast. They're too unprofessional to work on this channel. You need to get them off this channel. That was their mission the whole time. So I say this story to say a few different things. One, always handle your business as a professional. Do not let anybody make you beat yourself. Don't let anybody do anything that is out of your character. That is how... They want you to do something to make it seem as if you aren't professional enough to hold that position. Got to look out for those people. And on top of it, don't even have to worry about other people. Just worry about yourself. Worry about what you can control. And if you're worrying about what you can control and you handle that in a professional manner, you won't end up in a situation where someone can now point to something that you did that is going to take you out of that position that you may love or may hold you back from the position that you want to gain. Because ultimately... There's people out there who want to see you fail. And they want to see you fail because it means their success. Or at least in their head, it means their success. So that's number one. Number two is, don't do business this way. You know, people are smart. You know, I'm a human being and I can see when you're trying to sabotage me. So I think the other lesson too is, when you're working in partnerships, make sure that you are have some kind of relationship with 
multiple people on that team, multiple people on the team that you're partnered with. Because sometimes, you know, the people that you're in contact with aren't always going to have you in mind or they're not going to have your best intentions at heart. They're not going to always have the best intentions for the project that you're working on at heart. And hopefully these other people you're in contact with can vouch for you or maybe let you know when somebody's trying to sabotage you because, you know, this person who is in contact with you maybe not maybe doesn't feel like you are the best person or maybe feels like you're a threat. So, you know, unfortunately, there's lots of these kind of stories that not only myself, but other people can tell, not just in the media industry, but all these other industries that you may work in. You know, people, when they feel like they want to get a promotion or they need some kind of come up, it can be a crabs in a barrel mentality where they need to tear somebody down to bring themselves up. And so how can you safeguard yourself from that? By taking care of the business that you can handle, by being in contact with people on their team that can maybe vouch for you or warn you about things that may be coming. You know, there's no perfect science to this, but, you know, I just want to tell you a little bit about just my journey and some of the, you know, at least one of the crazy stories. And I intend to tell you some more of the the weird and interesting stories from my journey working in corporate America and working for other companies that allowed me to build myself up, but also allowed me to safeguard myself and allowed me to maybe skirt away from situations that could have had some kind of detrimental effect for my career. So I hope you learned a little bit of something from this. Next week, we're going to get back to our regular cadence of entrepreneur struggle, where we're going to talk to different entrepreneurs, talk to different freelancers about their particular struggles and challenges that they create their company. We're going to get back to doing these things live. Uh, We're going to be doing them live on YouTube live, on Facebook live, on Twitter. So make sure you follow us at DCP official uh, to be able to watch those. Also follow me personally at Chris Colbert report on both Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date with events that might be going on. And when I say events, these conversations I'm going to have with entrepreneurs, but also other events that I do for mental health and around podcasting. Uh, It's been a journey and I really want to include you on this journey with me and with these other entrepreneurs and freelancers that I've been so privileged to be able to meet. So until the next time, stay safe and stay healthy because that struggle, it's real.